Have you ever found yourself doing something that you could have never imagined yourself doing? It's almost like you never could have planned it. Even if you wanted to plan it, it never could have happened. This happened to me with fishing. A long time ago, I was given a fishing pole when I was nine years old, and my Uncle Mikey gave it to me for Christmas. It was the best. I still use the same fishing pole and, and tackle from nine years old. Um, but what happened was I ended up moving to Boston for a bunch of different reasons. Never thought I'd be there. And while, while I was there, I realized my little fishing pole from when I was nine wasn't going to work so well in the ocean. And I wanted to learn how to surf cast. As surf casting is a type of fishing where you stand on the edge of the ocean and you cast your pole out and then you try to catch fish. And let me tell you what happened. I got this beautiful 10-foot fishing pole for salt water and for big fish, and I figured out all the things you need to do to be a fisherman for the salt water, like for the ocean. And I'm um, very excited to do it, and finally got out there and learned that the prize possession for a, a surf caster is called a striped bass. Oh, they call them striper. And the minimum requirement is a 30-inch size. You only can keep one a day. And so we learned that our family loved eating this fish. It was delicious, and we were trying to catch it all the time. So I have some pictures of the most crazy day of fishing I've ever had. And so you can see them as they scroll. There I am. I'm in the gray on the rocks there. That's where I used to live. And what was happening was these fish, these striper, these bass, were cornering a school of bunker fish, which are small like school fish, and they were cornering them against the rocks. It was low tide. You can see me. I'm standing on the rocks. And these fish were coming, and they were going crazy, and they were actually jumping on the rocks to get rid of, away from these other fish. And I caught the most magnificent uh, fish right here, and I was so excited to catch it that, uh, that I gave it to some lady, hoping that I could, like, go and catch more. I was thinking wrong. I was like, uh, this doesn't count towards my limit. I'll give it away. And that's not how it works. But anyway, that's me in this most amazing moment on the rocks fishing. And here I am giving it to some lady who's watching me. I don't even know who she is. There she is. She's happy to have this fish. I came home and Alyssa was like, what did you do? Why didn't you bring me back that meat? Like we needed that as a family. I never again will I give away our fish. But um, this moment I could have never dreamed would have happened. I couldn't have dreamed about it. I mean, even if, as I was trying to figure it out and trying to, like, learn about fishing, I never could dream I was fishing off the side of the, of the, of the rocks and catching these big fish. Because as a Michigan fisher, you, fisherman, you would never do such a thing. Anyway, I tell you this story because, one, we're talking about fishing today. And, two, it was a moment that I could never dream would have happened. And I still, since then, really haven't caught any fish. So please, someone take me fishing. Someone take me fishing so that I can learn how to fish in the Great Lakes again in the Michigan uh, water. But man, uh, I just want to say welcome everyone. My name is Roy. I'm the pastor here at Freeway and I'm glad you're with us today whether you're online or you're in person. I just want to say thank you to all of our cafe workers. Can we give a round of applause to our cafe workers? Yeah, come on. Look, we have a core team here at Freeway and these guys do so many things and I'm just so honored to be part of the core team as they're doing stuff. Like who would come early and cut cheese and make coffee and then stay late and clean up after. Like, what are they getting out of that? Like, they get nothing out of it. And they, they do it to serve. And I just want to bring that up today because, man, it's so great for people to say, hey, I'm going to do something that's not just for me. It's for others. Because in our world, you see so many times that it's centered about what can this do for me, right? What can this business do for me? What can this product do for me. We call it a consumer culture. And uh, a lot of times when we're talking about that in the church, 
we kind of end up with this question. Whether or not we realize it or not, we ask this question all the time. It's, why do I feel like Jesus doesn't work for me? Why do I feel like Jesus doesn't work for me? Why do I feel like church or God doesn't work for me? It's supposed to be for me. Why doesn't it work? And a lot of times you ask older Christians, people have been in the faith a long time, hey, why isn't Jesus working for me? And they'll say this. They always say it. Well, it's not about you. And the, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing that they say it's not about you, but it really doesn't help. It doesn't help because you're like, well, that's great. It's not about me, but I don't really know what to do then if it's not about me. But I feel like, well, how do I handle this? And the truth is that Jesus comes and meets us in our culture and bridges us to this it's not about me place. And until we understand how Jesus kind of meets us where we're at, we're going to keep asking the question, where is God in this? Where is Jesus in this? I thought he's supposed to speak to me. I thought all of this. I want to follow my dreams. I want to accomplish my goals. I want to be successful. Jesus, where are you in that? You see, sociologists would say consumer culture is a form of material culture facilitated by the market, which thus created a particular relationship between the consumer and the goods or services that he or she consumes. And whether or not you care or you're paying attention, our culture very much cares about what's going, what things have to do with us. This is a big piece of the way we live. And so I like to bridge the gap with you today. I like to share with you on how Jesus can be consumeristic, how he can meet your dreams and visions and goals, but at the same time, how he can lead you far past anything you can dream or imagine, how he can lead you far more significant than anything that you could think for your own life, and God will lead you to places that you could never even dreamed, uh, dream about or dream of. And I think if you listen to the things I'm talking about today and you apply it to your life, it can actually radically change your whole future. And it does for someone in the Bible. And we're going to read about that today. Because this is my main point today. Freeway, sometimes trusting God doesn't make sense. But small steps of obedience lead you to places you've never dreamed of going. It says this in Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So here you have this moment. Jesus is in a boat sitting and, he, and, his, and his sermon is echoing off the water into the amphitheater on the sides of the Sea of Galilee. He's, he's speaking a message. Maybe he's speaking the Sermon on the Mount. Who knows what he's speaking? But right here, the, the story continues because this story is about Simon. In verse 4 it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word and thank you for this moment we have to hear from scripture. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us trust you? Would you help us move past our dreams into your dreams for our life? And would you help us live like you've called us to? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So my first point today is this. Sometimes trusting God doesn't make sense. 
It says this in Luke 5, right? Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. This is an interesting point because uh, you would think that God of the universe, he would make sense. But sometimes when he asks us to do things, or when we trust him, it doesn't make sense. You see, our problem is that when we make a decision, we trust ourselves because we make sense. We make sense to ourselves, right? If you ever make a decision in your life, you weigh the pros and cons. You walk down what that might look like, what that might hurt others, what it, how it might act. And you make sense to yourself. The problem, of course, is when you trust someone else, you don't know all the details, do you? Right? Have you ever had a relationship with someone or you followed someone where you didn't know all of the things in front of you? It doesn't make sense sometimes. I love this because... Peter or Simon in this moment, he calls Jesus master, master. And that word translated means things from commander to leader to even boss. In Peter's like words, he's saying, hey, Jesus, you're the master. You're the leader. You're the boss. Whatever you say, God, I'm going to do it. You're in charge here. And I think sometimes when we look at God and he's asking us to do something, we're trying to trust in him, we have a hard time thinking of Jesus as our boss, right? We view Jesus sometimes more like a counsel. You have an important decision to make. So you say to yourself, well, what do my friends say? And what do I think? And what does social media say? What do my parents think? And Jesus, what do you think? And then looking at all this counsel of wisdom, you decide what you ought to do. Unfortunately, Peter doesn't call Jesus a council member. He doesn't call Jesus friend in this moment. He submits himself in authority and says, Jesus, you are my master. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. Have you ever been a part of like a direct order relationship? Uh, this week we celebrated Veterans Day and we just, uh, we just honor all veterans. Can we ever give a round of applause to anyone who served in the military? Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you so much for your service. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for letting us even be here freely talking about God. Like that's because of your service and I just thank you so much. But when you're in the military and someone gives you a direct order, there's something called a chain of command. You do what you're told, right? And there's not a lot of questions. There's not a lot of like, well, I'll take that hill if you explain why, right? There's like, no, you're in a war. You're in a battle. You have something to do. You, you follow the chain of command. Or if you've ever played football and you have a team of 11 people, and I've, could you imagine all 11 getting in a huddle and saying, well, I don't think we should run that play. Or I don't think we should do that anymore. Uh, well, listen, I'm tired. I can't do that. Well, no, the, the, someone makes the decision and the team says, yes, I'll do it. And when we follow Jesus, we have to remember that he's our master. He's our boss. He's our leader. And Peter, Simon Peter, in this moment, he says, master, right? It's amazing. You see, it's important to remember that Simon, he's a fisherman, right? His dad, maybe his dad owns the business. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows all about fishing. And in this moment, Jesus saying a hard thing to him, he could have said a lot of things back, right? He could have said, I worked all night and I'm just tired. Or he could have said, I know a lot more about fishing than this carpenter does. The best fishing is at night, Jesus, not the daytime. All these crowds are, uh, you, you've been yelling. The fish have left. What are you doing? We're not going to catch anything. You, listen, Jesus, we already washed our nets. 
Jesus, you may know religion, but he, you don't know fishing. In this moment, Simon Peter has all the reasons why not to follow Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus doesn't make sense, especially with our rational, worldly view. It says this in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and this is, you know this verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. So if we're seeking our own understanding, we will not find the path we're supposed to take. But if we seek his understanding, his will, he will show us the right path. Jesus, I know you're asking me to make that phone call, but that doesn't make sense. Jesus, I want to know, I, want, I know you want me to set up at that meeting, but I don't want to do that. Jesus, I know you, and I know you want me to start being generous, but that, that doesn't make sense with my budget. That doesn't, cha- that doesn't work with the way I think. Sometimes when we follow God, it doesn't make sense. The second point is this, success is found in small acts of obedience. It says this in Luke 5, 6 through 7. And this time, this is right after, this is continuing the story. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help broke their partner, brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. This is an incredible moment that Simon Peter is experiencing, Right? He let down his nets in the middle of the day, and now success is coming, coming his way. I wonder what he was, would he be thinking right there, because as Simon Peter's concerned, his goal in life, I don't know, like his dreams, you can imagine Peter's dreams. He's a fisherman. I mean, maybe he's planning for his career to own many boats or to have his own business himself, or maybe he wants to own the whole market from the bait to the tackle to the fishing to the selling. Well, what is his dreams in this moment? What does success really look like? And Jesus says and provides success. But listen, our problem is that we think that it's the big decisions of life that lead us to where we want to go and who we want to be. We think it's the big decisions that's going to get us there. If we want this in our career, go after it. If we want that thing, go to live in that community. If we want this for our family, be that way. We think these big, big shifts will get us to where we want to be and how we want to live our life. They'll bring us our dreams. And I can, imagine, I can imagine Simon in this moment thinking to himself, finally, my dreams are here. Jesus provides the actual thing that Simon wants in this moment, which is to be rich, to have this beautiful blessing of fish, to have this moment where his nets are over full and his, and his nets are even breaking. Jesus provides. But I want you to see that the success was not because Simon asked Jesus, asked God one day, would you show up and speak in my boat And would you show up and tell me what to do? And would this net situation happen? That was never his plan. That was never his dream. But Jesus provides a way of success that he was never planning on. And it turns out that when we want success, we find success in small acts of obedience. Listen to me. Uh, there's There's this thing I say all the time. Alyssa says it too. We're always talking about following God's voice following Jesus. And I think sometimes it, we, miss the, we miss kind of what we're saying. Let me explain to you really quick what it means to follow Jesus. What it means is when we're following God's voice that Jesus is a person, an actual person, and that he wants to love and lead you in your life. And when you follow him, you have to learn how to follow his voice. 
when he says something, you need to learn what his voice sounds like, essentially. The Bible says, my sheep follow, my sheep know my voice. If Jesus is the shepherd and we're the sheep, we know his voice. So that creates like a hard thing for us to know. Like, okay, well, what does God's voice sound like? And let me explain to you how to figure it out. The first thing you need to do if you want to follow Jesus step by step in small steps is you need to develop intimacy with him. This looks like every morning or every other morning or something like that. It's taking time away from the busy, busy world and the chaos of your life and slowing down to be with Jesus. The primary way that he will speak to you is in the Bible. So if you're not reading the Bible and you're asking if Jesus is speaking to you, where Jesus is in all this, well, the first step is to read your Bible because that's the primary way in which God speaks to you. So you slow down. You're building this intimacy with Lord and, as the Lord. And over time, as you read the Bible, you learn what God's voice sounds like. A lot of times, God vo God's voice isn't a big, booming thundercloud or a writing on the wall or uh, some miraculous thing happening. It sounds a lot like your internal voice or your conscience. But uh, most times, it's a little bit different. And so how do you determine what's you and what's God? Well, as you're reading the scriptures, what will happen is, and I bet you will even happen this week, as you read scripture, God will say, that's for you. That's for you. And it'll be this internal feeling like that scripture is for me. God will speak to you and start to tell, show you, because the scripture is alive. And when you read it, God starts to speak to you in this way. And the more you do it, the more you recognize which voice is yours and which voice is God's. And that intimacy brought out of that moment with God, that intimate moment with God, you learn how to follow him in all the, day of the, all the days of your life, in the middle of the day, in the morning, in the evening, while you're talking on the phone with someone, while you're texting someone else and you think to yourself, hey, I should just text this right now. Why? Because you've developed this intimacy with God. And this is what it means to hear God's voice. When people says, say follow God, we're assuming you're uh, trying hard to like walk in this obedience, walk hand in hand with this person of Jesus so that you can actually do these things. If you're hearing God's voice and it's contrary to the Bible, you're not hearing God's voice. <laughs> so that's the caveat. It always is, in con is always in direction with what the Bible says. But I have to explain this to you because I feel like sometimes as Christians and as Americans, when we want to lead our life, we're trying to think of the big picture end goal and build a life towards that dream. But when it comes to following Jesus, we have to follow his small steps of obedience that are right in front of us. It's like dancing. If you, ever, if you can think of your world as a ballroom, a beautiful ballroom with nice floors and, you know, it's a nice ballroom, okay? And Jesus, and you are a bride and Jesus is the groom. Sorry, men, you're the girl in this circumstance. God is going to lead you in a dance. He's going to lead you. And when you're in a dance with the Lord, he doesn't say, um, listen, we're going here and then we're going there, then we're going there. And you don't say to the Lord, listen, Jesus, I'd like some punch first, and then we can swing by this side of the family, and then can we just hit the bathroom real quick? You don't tell him where you want to go. You follow him in this dance. And if you've ever danced with someone, you know that the leader nudges with their arms where to go during the dance. They'll push you gently with one arm or lead you a little bit more with the other arm, and you follow these small acts of obedience to wherever the, the leader leads. And in this moment, we see in the same way that how God leads us through small steps of obedience. 
Because the reality is, if we follow in these small steps, we'll end up places that we never even dreamed of going. You see, we come to the Lord all the time and say, God, I want this. And God's like, okay, great, like, follow me. Or God, would you do this miracle in my life? And you're like, okay, great, would you, would you just follow me? And God meets us where we're at in our wants and desires and then leads us step by step to greater wants and greater things that we've ever dreamed. Because obeying God with your small steps lets you follow God to places you've never dreamed. And how, how do you know that? Like, how are you saying that? Well, it's in scripture. It's in this story. So let me read it to you. It says this, Luke 5, it continues. So Simon Peter, he puts his nets down, right? Then uh, he gets this huge amount of fish, right? And then what does it say in verse 8? When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others around him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. You see, what I'm trying to say is our problem was we tried to define what we want. Our dreams are, are, are maybe big things or little things. We bring them to Jesus and we say, Jesus, uh, would you help me accomplish these dreams? And what I'm saying to you is he will, but then he'll take you to places that you never dreamed you could imagine. This is an amazing part, part of scripture because we watch as Simon Peter is called by God to do something that he can never have dreamed of. You see, Peter had already had God impact his life. If you've read scripture in Luke chapter 4, um, Peter's mother-in-law had been miraculously healed by Jesus. So Peter knows who this Jesus is. Yet there was something about this miracle that was more meaningful to him. The fish was more meaningful than his mother-in-law being healed. I don't know if that's okay to say. But I think that's what's happening here. I mean, because at this point, Peter realizes the, that God is, that Jesus is God. And he's blown away that he's thinking to himself, I'm such a sinful man. I can't even be in the presence of this person. This is an amazing story. But let me ask you a question. Was it harder for Simon to follow Jesus when he asked in the middle of the day to throw down his nets? Or was it harder for Simon to follow Jesus when Jesus said, when, when Simon had to give up everything he owned to follow him? You see, in our American mind, we think to ourselves, following Jesus, man, I have to give up everything I own to follow him. That's really hard. I don't know if I can do that. But I bet you it was harder for Simon to put those nets down in the middle of the day than to leave everything and follow him. Why is that? Why was the small step harder than the big step? You see, when, he, when Jesus showed up after the small step, man, Jesus, whatever you want, you're clearly God. I, I, I'm putting myself... Oh, I'm leaving my own desires, I'm leaving my own wants, I'm leaving my own dreams. You even accomplished my dreams and I'm walking away from them because if you're God, if you can do this, I will follow you wherever you want to go. It was almost like he was so moved, he was so emotionally moved that it didn't matter what Jesus asked him to do. He was going to do it. This is, this is important because if we analyze how God leads us, we'll see that when he meets the small steps, the big steps are not as hard. 
You see, so many of us today, we're sitting there waiting because God kind of has presented this idea and we know how scripture leads and we kind of we're stuck because we know, man, if I follow you, God, you're going to ask me to do this and I don't want to do that. And I'm just going to stand where I'm at, you know, and, and, and sometimes we have to stop like overthinking about Jesus leading our life and understand that the, the step in front of you is the goal. The step in front of you is the thing that Jesus is asking us to do. And if we find ourselves uh, saying yes to these little things, we will find success and we will find ourselves in places we never dreamed of. Do you think Simon ever dreamed of following Jesus as one of his disciples? Do you think Simon, who, who was renamed Peter, would, would ever, ever dream of being one of the founders of the church, an institution that would last 2,000 years? Do you think these dreams that Peter eventually, do you think he ever dreamed of those things? No. Simon was just a fisherman. His dreams were about fish. In this moment, Jesus stops and says, hey, if you follow me, look at what could happen. I think sometimes when we look at God and we try to figure out how is he leading us, and, and can I be honest with you, my message today is like half to me, like I'm preaching to myself, which I've heard preachers say before, but now, now I'm here doing it. Um, uh, I've been preaching to myself because, Roy, if you would just follow me in these small steps, like you will find yourself in places that you never even dreamed of going. Can I, I wonder if you can see it the way I can see it. You can plan out the steps God has you, that you want in your life. And you hope that you can go down them. But your plan for your life is always linear. It's just one direction. But the minute you yield and give God those next steps and start following him in those small steps of obedience, your path to life is not linear. It's blown out of proportion. It's wherever God wants to lead you. And you get to the position where you say, God, whatever you want, I'm following you. Because it's worth more than all of the plans I could have for myself. And so we start with God in this place like, God, help me accomplish my dreams. And we end with God saying, God, whatever dreams you want, I'm here. You see, he meets us in our materialistic consumer culture, but he leads us to a place that's far beyond ourselves, And we find ourselves walking that way. And what's interesting when you follow Jesus is the longer you follow Jesus, the more you have to learn this lesson. The more you have to try again to trust you have to try again to obey. You have to try again to, to find success in these small steps. Alyssa, you can come up. We're going to end here. And I want you to see something really cool about this story about fish. I, uh, I want to be a fisherman. I just, you know, one day, you guys, someone's going to take me fishing, you know. Be like Peter. Man, Jesus said that I'm the, he says that anyone who believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. What he says when he says that, whenever, anyone who believes in me, that word can be translated as trust. Whoever trusts in me will have everlasting life. This is a very interesting point, isn't it? Because so many of us believe in God, but trust God, hang on to him, cling to him, put my whole weight on him. Oh, I'd rather consider God a piece of the puzzle, one of my council members that's leading me in my life, but to trust him fully, that's really hard. You see, the story of the Bible is that God became man and lived a perfect life and died as a sinner. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he die on a cross? 
He died as a sinner so that even though, because we're sinners, Christ held our sin on his shoulders. And as he died, so did your sin. This is an amazing thing. Because when God now sees you, he doesn't see all your junk and all your failures and all your mistakes and all the ways that you didn't make it. He sees this clean slate, this white robe, the Bible says. He sees Jesus. He sees the perfection of Jesus when he sees you. The story is Jesus dies on a cross, but then God raises him to life on the third day. And if you read your Bible and follow the story, Jesus kind of hangs out on earth after he's risen from the grave for like 40 days. And he shows up for different things. Most things are just like a little weird because people are like trying to figure out if that even is Jesus. Is that Jesus, you know? Well, let me tell you my favorite one. Jesus shows up after he was risen from the grave. And you know what he does? He makes a charcoal fire and he makes breakfast. Like, come on, Jesus, you know, we're all about food. You know, he's making breakfast. He's on the shore. And do you know who's in the, the lake? Peter. And Peter's been fishing. And Jesus shouts to Peter and says, hey, let down your nets on the other side. Peter, I, that's not how you fish, dude. Like, go eat your breakfast. Like, what are you talking about? That's not what it, you know, he's got all the same excuses from the first time, but this time he realizes something. He lets the nets down on the other side of his boat. And what happens? A huge amount of fish come in. And the nets, this time, they don't break. And Peter, in this moment, who's, the Bible says that he's stripped, he has to put his clothes back on. He realized, this is Jesus. Breakfast, dude, that's Jesus. He just gets out of the boat. He just jumps out of the boat. He says, he gets out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And he realizes, and I love this moment because Jesus is bringing back. So much has happened from the first boat to the second boat. So much has happened. Peter has failed. Peter has betrayed God. Peter has had all these moments where he's been the most fighting disciple to the least disciple. And he's at this moment, Jesus is saying, I love you. I'm bringing you back to the moment where I first asked you to follow me. The moment when, you, when he said, hey, would you follow me in the small thing that doesn't make sense? And he asks him again. And I wonder how many times in our life that Jesus is kind of bringing us back to that thing. That same step he asked us a long time ago and said, hey, I love you. I see you. I know how we started. Come back. Come back to me. Let's do it again. I can imagine this moment having breakfast with Jesus. They got plenty of fish to eat, right? They have all they have this moment, and, and Jesus is like, Peter, do you love me, right? If you read scripture, I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But man, he, Peter never dreamed of catching an insurmountable fish in the middle of the day. And Peter never dreamed of his mother-in-law being miraculously healed. And Peter never dreamed that Jesus would redeem his own failures and set him up to be a part of the church that would change the world. None of that. But he followed Jesus with these dumb things, <laughs> stepping in obedience, the small steps in front of him. Because sometimes trusting God doesn't make sense. But small steps of obedience lead you to places you never dreamed stand with me as we end. Thanks, babe, for playing with the keys. I don't know where you're at today, but at each service here at Freeway, this is kind of the normal service. We have a mess, we have songs, and we have a message, then we have this end song. 
And this end song is the time where you can respond to what God might have been leading you through this whole service. I trust that even throughout this week, God has been trying to get your attention and speak to your heart. And so we kind of create this moment at the end of service for you to respond to whatever God might be leading you to respond with. And so I wonder for some of us today, if we're in the ballroom and Jesus is trying to say, let's go this way, and you've been standing still a long time. You've been standing still a long time. And Jesus is like, let's dance. And you're like, I don't understand that. He's like, no, no, let's dance. And you're like, where are we going? He's like, no, 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 let's dance. And you're like, no, I have other plans. I wonder some of us, and, and, and if this is you, you, you actually know your next step with Jesus. And it kind of almost is like this painful thing you go back to because it's something that you really don't want to deal with. But man, can you trust God? Can you take that small step of obedience? Can you find that God meets you where you're at? He loves you. He's on your team. He cares about you. He's just as happy as you making chili than he is with you giving your whole life to him. He loves you. So I wonder for some of you today, you're standing in that ballroom. Jesus is saying, let's go. And you're like, no, I'm standing still. And I wonder for some of us today, if we're in the position where trusting God is something that's very difficult. And it's almost like a lifelong thing you've been figuring out with God. I want to encourage you to keep trusting and keep fighting for these things. And God is, he's patient. He's a gentleman. He will wait for you. Wait as long as it takes. So as we sing this song, I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, you can come pray at the altar or you can come pray at your seats or whatever. Alyssa's going to sing. And then afterwards, we'll close and we'll have um, soup and chili time. But um, thank you guys for being here today. Let's respond to this message together. Jesus, I ask that you'd lead us, that you'd guide us, that you'd show us which side. Are you telling us to put those nets down? Like, what, what's, what are you telling us to do? May, we, may you give us faith and courage 